Welcome to Getting Off with Natalie and Rocky, where we help you to create more safety and enjoyment in the bedroom. I'm Natalie Viers, a pleasure and intimacy coach. And I'm Rocky Peterson, Yoni massage practitioner and pleasure educator. This is a space where you get to open your mind, be free of your inhibitions and play. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Getting Off with Natalie and Rocky. I'm Rocky. And I'm Natalie. And today we are going to talk about the places we can go with what we've been talking about so far. I think our goal in this conversation is is to kind of talk about why we're having this whole conversation in the first place. I was just on a call with girlfriends earlier this evening on a call that is devoted to the subject of self-devotion. And we were talking about how our own needs, our own self-care is one of the first things to go out the window. And I happened to be talking to a mom and we were talking about how uh, play is even further down the line and uh, play and pleasure are so closely linked. And it's a really natural tendency and it's really conditioned into us to deprioritize it so much and to kind of put it at the bottom of the totem pole. And I don't even know if that's actually a a functional expression that I just used, (laughs) but uh, you get the idea. And the whole reason we're having this conversation is because play and pleasure are really the juice of life like the experience of like a you know a dry life versus a juicy life is such a dramatic difference there's so many different ways that it affects how you experience life to be moving with that as one of your top priorities wait we're not just doing this to hear each other talk <laughs> no actually i will say this we are doing this because before we started this podcast, we really enjoyed talking about the things that we do to help people. And, you know, we're kind of sharing stories and we would sit there and go, you know, we'd talk for an hour or an hour and a half or two hours or whatever. It seemed like a long time, you know, when we first kind of met and it's like, damn, we should have recorded that. I think people would have liked uh, listening to that. You know, that I, I think that could have helped somebody that, you know, whoever it was we were talking about in that particular conversation. And so this kind of is a little bit of a grassroots effort. We didn't just kind of go, well, let's see, I want to do a podcast. Is there anybody else out there that wants to do a podcast? And, you know, let's let, let me see if I can go find somebody. This is definitely more of a natural thing. And it really does stem from helping people. We do really enjoy the elation of seeing someone take some of our information and grow and go out in the world and and get more love and and more sex and more connection and more peace and more vibrance in their lives. It feels good to help people feel good. It does. So we are here not just, you know, to be informative. We're, We're also here to let you know that you know we are hands-on with helping people. We don't just do this for free on your phone here and your your earpods. We, you know, if you've got issues going on, we're here for you so that you can come and see us if that's uh, appropriate. In my case, I've got 
you know, something out there where you can kind of get a lot of my information uh, through my courses. But we love to see you in person, too, if you happen to be in the Seattle area. Yeah, there's there's lots of virtual options. I think what's really exciting me about taking part in this podcast is that I'm realizing, yes, I wanted the platform to have the space to talk about just how important pleasure is and you know how central it is to our experience to to our ability to like actually enjoy our time here i feel like there's some deeper healing taking place in these conversations as well in that just up until this point in our recording sessions it has kind of amazed me how much of a gap there truly is between us in our experience and perspective between man and woman. And I just keep being amazed as we run into these spaces in our conversation where we see it differently. And I think me as a, as a woman, I, I feel like I keep having this experience, like, like, I can't believe you don't see this. And I think that we collectively feel that way a lot as women like you know why do men not get this and and these conversations have really helped me see that like we really truly are coming at this from such different perspectives and what i appreciate here in this space that we need more of collectively is that we are you know reaching across to each other and looking for how we can frame the same information from our, from our different perspectives and like find where we meet in the middle, basically. And I just feel like men and women need to do that in general. I ask a lot of my clients about their communication because they, they come in and it's like, well, you know, this is going on and he does this and he doesn't do that and yada, yada, yada. And, and so it's like, okay, well, you know, so what do you say? Oh, well, we don't talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, uh, well, why don't you talk about it? What's going on that, you know, that communication is broken down or whatever the case may be. And it's like, well, sometimes maybe she says I'm embarrassed or, you know, or he, you know, doesn't want to talk about it. Or, you know, we just, you know, we've kind of, we talk about everything else, but we don't really talk about sex and we don't know how and, and things like that. And so people get in this mode and they just kind of let it go and they continue to, you know, kind of let that the communication about intimacy, whatever portion of it, pleasure, whether it's, you know, having a drink together or uh, something more intimate, it can degrade if you're not tending to it. It's, it's a lot like a garden. You, you have to at least water it (laughs) and you should weed it too. Totally. Tending to the relationship. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like there's really been some some missing information when it comes to what it means to tend to the relationship. I have been wanting to say and meaning to say for actually episodes now and just like sort of forgetting to slip in this little disclaimer. And I, I wish I had mentioned this in a much earlier episode because this is kind of central to who I am and important to me and is an important value for me to state. This whole podcast and these conversations are extremely heteronormative. 
I am very hetero and Rocky is very hetero. Our experience is very hetero. And I just wanted to kind of make a holistic statement about the fact that we are not heteronormative people, that we're, you know, we don't have any sort of hetero agenda, that we're, we're simply speaking from our experience. And I am speaking for both of us here just because I feel confident in doing so. We are both are people who fully recognize that humans exist all along the spectrum of both gender and sexual identity. And so I have been wanting to make a disclaimer that all the conversations I have personally and the things that I express are intended to be taken with a grain of salt, to basically like eat the fruit and spit out the seeds. If it resonates with you and applies to your experience, awesome, take it, run with it. If you don't feel represented by what we're saying, then we're not speaking to your experience. And I just kind of feel the need to say the reason why I'm comfortable leaving this conversation in a more more heteronormative space is because I do believe that heterosexual people, men and women coming together in relationship are the ones who need the most work in intimacy and understanding each other and learning how to tend to the relationship and learning how to be safe with each other. There's something about the inherent otherness for anyone who is not heterosexual, where I feel like there's this much more embodied understanding of what it means to create safety together and to take care of each other. And that's just a, an idea that is kind of wholly lacking and missing in our kind of generic concept of what your typical marriage looks like here in, in America these days. And so what what we're trying to do here on this podcast is specifically address that, that we're, I'm going to lead us into our conversation that I wanted to touch on from this week when I asked women about how they feel about men making a move for a first kiss or asking first. These are the kind of conversations that that both sides need to hear so that both are aware of what's relevant in these moments for men and women. And so I'm just sort of <laughs> now stepping off a soapbox, but felt the need to kind of really clarify that. Okay. Well, it's interesting. It's really appropriate that you say that today because I was actually talking to someone else today about the, you know, kind of the difference between people that are not hetero. There are so many that it's almost too many to mention. It's like the number of possibilities almost seems infinite, the, the different combinations and ways that people get together. And it just so happens that over the weekend, I was listening to Ethical Slut, um, the book. And mm -hmm. it's quite fascinating. They talk about it quite a bit in their book that, yes, in their opinion, they would say the same thing, that people that have lifestyles that aren't heteronormative do kind of have more intimacy and connection and more boundaries and more rules and more um, things in place because they kind of have to, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's almost like their life is more challenging because they right from the get go have to defend themselves or whatever the case may be. And they've got to do that within their own community too. 
not just from heteros that are unfriendly to them, but even like, for example, they were talking in that book that both gays and heteros kind of bash anybody who's in the middle who's bi. And it's like, oh, that's interesting. I would would think that the at least the the gay people would be more accepting of them. You know, it's like, yeah, come on over. You know, we love you because, you know, they don't, you know, kind of a thing. But even within their community, there's some dissent and and uh, unhappiness. So, but uh, according to that book, there's definitely more intimacy outside of heteronormative. So, and, and by the way, just, I want to point out too, uh, since you kind of brought that up, I created my courses with men and women and women and men, not men and men or women and women, but, and, and I know that might be uncomfortable if somebody is, you know, a man and a man and a work or a woman and a woman, but the techniques that I teach, I've started saying, you know, over the last few years that these are things that you, if your partner is a woman, you can do to a woman, or if your partner is a man, these are things that you can do to a man. And, you know, I'm getting some of my hetero language out of some of my work because I want everyone to feel that I'm not excluding them. I, I It's just, you know how it is, you, you know, you kind of just go with who you are. You know, it's like, hey, you're being you and I'm being me. And, you know, sorry if that offends you that I'm being me, but that's, you know, Uh, I don't have any problem with you. We're speaking from what we know, and we both very much care about being inclusive. Are you excited to explore the world of pleasure? If so, head to getting off with natalieandrocky.com, where you can choose your own adventure. And I think we've kind of hit the nail on the head already in these, our initial conversations which is just the fact that men haven't really had to consider the issue of safety. And that's so much the source of this disconnect. And I love that we brought that back. Um, you know, the fact that men haven't had to deal with, uh, with the issue of safety and the fact that men are actually the first victims of the current system in place in, in that, you know, we ask them to swallow their feelings and to toughen up at a at an absurd age, I, I truly cannot believe that my my sweet innocent five year old is already receiving all this pressure from the world to be a man. And so, slipping back into this more more hetero conversation, on my Facebook this week, I asked my audience how they feel. Um, I asked the ladies, "How do you feel about first kisses? Do you prefer when a man just goes for it?" Or do you prefer when, when he asks? And the answers were pr- pretty well split down the middle. And after reading through them all, I've, I've sort of formulated my opinion, which is consistent with what I already thought, which is back to this conversation about attunement. Because what we truly all find sexiest and most enjoyable is when he doesn't have to ask. That's that's really our ideal. But what that gets twisted and warped into is men think that they just need to go for it. And so they're jumping the gun. And that's not what we want at all. We don't want to be ambushed. We don't want it to come to us before we feel like we're ready for it. And so I wanted to share 
this experience that I've had over the last couple of weeks. Um, I've had a, a new man come into my sphere and discover me. And it's actually kind of funny. I, I haven't mentioned this to you, Rocky, but he found me by going on the internet and he searched for one word to find me. Guess what word he searched? He searched for siren. (laughs) Okay. He searched for siren and he got me, which I think is really synchronistic and cool because I literally have siren tattooed on my back. But I told this man, I said, you're already feeding me content for my podcast, which is like sexy because he's inspiring me. He has successfully put me as a woman in a position where I am hungry for contact with him. He's got me in this state of readiness now where it took some time. We've been talking for a few weeks and initially I was kind of standoffish. I was kind of like, I don't know about you and like really a little bit freaked out by him because his presence is pretty intense. And I was sort of doing this like weird flip floppy thing where I was telling my friends, I was like, I don't know about this guy. And they're like, you're being way too judgy. (laughs) But what he has done is gone so slow in getting to know me. Uh, He's really slowed the pace and he has kept his interest and his focus and his attention on me. And, and he's been talking about his desire to see me flourish as a woman. And he's been talking about how he, he would like to see that and he doesn't need anything in return from me. And that's been like a heavy theme, like him talking about what he wants to give, how he would like to contribute to my life and my experience. And kind of consistently reminding me he doesn't need anything from me in return. And this is a very, very smart man that I'm dealing with here. And I can tell that he knows that in telling me he wants nothing from me, that ignites something in me that makes me want to give him things. It makes me want to be giving and it makes me want to dote on him. Because when I feel every ounce of pressure taken off What I've received from a man, whether it's attention, whether it's gifts, whether it's food, time, I don't care. If there's no strings attached to it whatsoever and and I just get to enjoy it coming into my life and being what it is, it inspires this desire in me to come closer to this man. To like, I'm like, okay, I'm now at the point where I'm like, why haven't you asked me out yet? Why, why aren't you moving? Why aren't you moving me toward the bedroom? <laughs> and which is a good thing. It means that things are moving at a pace where, you know, by the time it happens, I'm going to have this really yummy, juicy sense of readiness. And then we get to have this like really fun, sexy interaction together where, you know, with two very ready people and, that's the ideal. That's what we want. We want we want to be hungry for it by the time it happens. And in order to create that circumstance, you cannot rush things. You can't like 
so many people feel that in initial sense of physical attraction, like, oh, this person's a possibility. And and they just sort of like want to consume the person and just dive head, head straight in. And it is just like exquisitely sexy to not do that. <laughs> to, to just focus on the conversation, to like try to understand her world, try to learn her. That feeling, like him studying me is sexy as hell. I can tell he's not just interested in what I'm wearing. He's cataloging what I wear so that when he chooses something to buy me in the future, he's going to pick something that I like. Like That's the vibe that I pick up from him and all of the attention that I receive. It feels so yummy to be in. And it just like it just makes me want to have more of this man's presence in my life. Wow. All right. So you think anything that we're doing or that you've done to kind of prepare yourself adds to this or makes this possible? This current experience for me? Absolutely. Yes. I very specifically have done some intense shadow work around my relationship with men And yes, part of this, I've involved you in, Rocky, just in repatterning how I relate to men. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, our relationship is one that I reference as evidence for myself of the feminine masculine relating where there's always mutual respect in our interactions. I started specifically looking for things to respect and honor in men. I started specifically looking to better understand men and what is most important to them, what motivates them, what matters to them. I started listening more to their perspective and not listening to try to get myself heard and and for us to like reach agreement my way kind of, but like listening for where we already agree, but we're just saying it differently. I got really clear with myself about my boundaries with myself, my standards and my relationships, you know, what I am available for, what I'm not available for. So like, I don't think that this caliber of man that I'm dealing with would have approached a version of me that was less boundaried, less well cared for. Uh, I, I think that there's a direct correlation in how well I take care of myself and the men I'm now meeting who are interested in, in somehow contributing to that uh, because they recognize that when they contribute to, to my flourishing, they get to benefit from all the juicy feminine energy that rolls off me. I had to forgive the men in my past and clear the slate, including my father. That was the toughest one. I had to really hold a lot of compassion for men and where they currently sit in their perspective and understanding and the healing that that they need to do and are doing. I actively seek connections with men who are doing this relational work and they inspire the hell out of me and sort of operate like, you know, like a true north for me in terms of looking for what I really admire in men. So what I'd like to tell the audience here that's listening to us is we're not perfect. We don't know it all. 
out of the gate. We're a work in progress. We, you know, we change and we grow and we uh, adapt and, you know, we discover that new relationships can be better than old relationships, but not just because it's a different person, but because we learned something from each one of those relationships. And sometimes we have to own some of the things that we did wrong. And there's a lot of growth. And, you know, I mean, today is the day for growth. You can't look at, oh, you know, I was married in the 90s and, <laughs> you know, I, I there's no, no no growing from that anymore. I mean, that that's, that's in the past. I'm done with that. I am still learning from what happened in the past. In fact, you know, recently I feel like I've been healing from some things that have happened in the past, from the 90s even. But here we are. And, you know, we've got people listening going, oh, cool. She's got somebody new. I wish I had somebody new or I wish I was feeling some of that excitement. I wish I was feeling some of those new things. And that's why we're here. We're here to help you, like, get back in the game. Because if you don't get back in the game, you're going to be here a year from now listening to us, kind of thinking the same thing. Oh, wow, there's something else new and exciting going on. And damn, I wish I was getting involved in that. And you got to be in action, you know, all the time when it comes to your relationships. You can't just, you know, kind of get in and, and then coast. You have to keep working on them. And that's, and that's a little bit of what we're here to talk about today is not coasting, not letting it just kind of, you know, degrade or move on or kick it down the road or whatever you want to do if it's not good, but uh, be proactive and, you know, take some action to do something to make it better. I think people tend to think of getting into partnership as some kind of end goal. And really, it's, it's just a beginning. The mentality is, you know, you find your person and then you get to, then you get to fucking relax. <laughs> and it's like, not really like then, then you get to build something amazing with your person and it takes work to build something, but it, it's maintenance work. Well, actually it's both. It's building work and maintenance work because ideally when you're in a relationship that's truly reciprocal and you are both doing what you can to meet each other's needs and meet you where you're really at, like the ideal scenario is that your relationship is something that, that gives you energy that, you know, that makes it easier for you to accomplish things in your life. And if it's not that, then you're not really engaging in, in a healthy dynamic. What, what you're engaged in is our cultural ideation of, of marriage, which is like you get together and then you just like happily ever after survive together, I guess. And like, there's just not much talk about like, well, how do you, how do you make it work once you're together? One of the major, major, major components that is missing in our relationship culture is this idea of support. People think of support as something that you get when and like therapy as something as like a last ditch effort when you're 
you know, when your life is a train wreck, that's when you get support. No, we need to normalize that, like having a third party to touch base with around your relationship and what's going on in your relationship and and how to approach intimacy and, you know, what boundaries are needed and where, like it's invaluable because we are story-making machines about ourselves and our own experience. And without some outside perspective and some support and some kind of like broadening of the view, we're just interacting with the person we're in a partnership with, but fully engaged in and believing in our story and they're doing the same. And, and then you're just going to loop in that place, like not really directly engaging in each other's realities, but sort of like bumping up against each other's heads with your competing realities. And what real intimacy is, is like merging, coming together and, and understanding each other's realities and, and like incorporating what is involved in the other person's experience. It's not an easy thing to do. It's like, it's quite a skill of empathy to be able to really consider a full other human in your decisions. I mean, like, you know, people think that mothers are naturally good at that. No, there's lots of mothers that are terrible at incorporating another human's needs into their awareness. And it's really sad. And that's how we get into a lot of trouble in society. (laughs) I want to dispel the myth that two people, if they don't have the propensity to like really flourish together. If things are feeling stagnant or disconnected or not enough intimacy or fun or pleasure or whatever, dispel the the myth that we can work this out together alone in a vacuum without help. And that was me when I was in my twenties and married it's like, I tried and it's like, well, how about, you know, we go to the toy store. How about we do this? How about we try that? And, you know, it was us together trying to figure it out. And there weren't as good of resources by any stretch of the imagination then that there are now that we can, you know, kind of lean on and invest in. I mean, we could go, we could have gone to a therapist or something like that and, and probably gotten some good advice and and maybe that might have you know made a difference for us but you know we didn't think that we needed that yet that seemed you know kind of extreme so there is a middle ground and you know you have to educate yourself you have to get out there and learn new things and you're going to have to invest a little bit of money to do that it's you know if you're if you're on the budget where you can't spend any money like, you know, moving forward in your growth about your uh, intimacy and relationship and and things like that, it's a much harder go. For sure. We definitely get a clue about what our, our real priorities are based on how we spend our money. My sensual confidence coaching is a great example of, you know, something that it might not occur to someone that they need. I'll give an example of, uh, I had a client who was in a marriage that had uh, disconnection. She felt like he wasn't engaged with her anymore or attracted to her or like, like he had kind of just given up on trying to create connection with her. And 
she was in this space where she kept looking to him like, I need you to come for me. Like, I want, I want you to want me, basically. And it was such a common experience in, in, a, in a relationship to, like, feel that the feeling of being wanted go away and really wanted to come back. The reason why my sensual confidence co- coaching is the deep dive that it is is because if we're going to resolve a dynamic like that where you're in a relationship and all of the eros has left the relationship and you're just sort of parallel living together. The only way that we're going to resolve a dynamic like that is by focusing on ourselves and our own healing work and leading change in the dynamic in the relationship via embodiment. So I talk about relationships being like a dance when we want to change the experience that we're having with a partner, our attention needs to go within and we need to decide what our new footwork is going to be. And then without any request of the other person or, or anything, we simply need to start doing the new footwork. Uh, and we can communicate with words about doing the new footwork at the same time if we, if we want and if that's appropriate. But the point is, we don't require anything of the other person to start doing the new footwork. We simply decide that we're going to embody a change and shift our input into the dynamic and give the other person to an opportunity to shift their end. When we're doing a deep dive like that and really looking at what is my contribution to this dynamic? What is my side of the street? Where is my personal responsibility? Where is my potential power to reclaim? That is a deep dive conversation that is so much easier to have with support and guidance and in a space that is held with the energy of unconditional love. That is one of my gifts. I I extend a space virtually where I can hold you in what is coming up. It's a space to practice rawness and vulnerability, and it's a space to open to deeper levels of connection and intimacy with another person. You can start with me, and that then extends to your partner, and and you're able to take those same skills and apply them in what you're doing in your partnership. It's the kind of thing where you know, it wouldn't necessarily occur to someone to get this kind of support. But basically, if you're not leading an existence that feels fully satisfied and like really juicy and vibrant and really full of good things in your life, there is work to be done. There is work to be done because this like this flatlined experience ain't it. It gets so much better than that parallel living and relationship, it gets so much better than that. It's so sad to me that that's the norm. It's so sad to me that people dry up with each other because they just don't know how to tend to the juice. Right. Right. I definitely can relate to what you're saying. And it kind of goes with the courses that I sell. I mean, it's kind of the same thing. It's not obvious to people that there's something more that they can learn about. Well, a lot of what I'm teaching in my courses is more the sexual pleasure part, right? So 
you know, they, they, they kind of go with, okay, I, I think I know what I need to know. And they go along with that belief system. And then they kind of wonder why things are a little bit kind of stale or boring in the bedroom. And so, I, you know, your, your talk kind of reminded me of a woman who, you know, wasn't feeling something from her partner during their lovemaking. And by coincidence, I was teaching her about pleasuring men. And we talked about, you know, when the penis jumps and, and it's, and I said, do you know what that is? And, and it's like, no, isn't he just, you know, kind of flexing and showing off? And it's like, no, you know, that's an involuntary response. He's actually having a little, I call a trial ejaculation. He's, his, his body's trying, it's asking, can I ejaculate yet? Can I ejaculate yet? He's actually having a little orgasm. And so we were working on her learning about uh, pleasuring men. And once she knew that, it was like all of a sudden the penis was way more interesting to her because now she understood a lot more of what was going on. And then when it got to lovemaking, all of a sudden she was feeling a lot more uh, from his body, kind of understanding what was happening. And it was very exciting to her. It changed the whole dynamic of making love, just understanding more about what was going on in a technical sort of way uh, with his body. So there's so much we can learn. There are so many little things like that that can add to what's happening. Now, some of this can have to do with confidence and things like that. Certainly, the better you get with being able to pleasure someone, the more confidence you're going to have for sure. But um, this is, you know, there's a lot of this is just technical stuff. And I, and it, it sounds strange to talk about pleasure as technical, but we kind of take that for granted that, oh, it's just, you know, you just do this and do that. And we're just doing something to someone as opposed to doing something with someone. And when we get better at doing something with someone, because we understand what the with is, then all of a sudden, all kinds of interesting new things happen. So yeah, you, you, you've got to keep learning. You've got to keep looking deeper because there's depth. There's enormous depth. I mean, what would you say the depth is today in your understanding of pleasure and sexuality compared to where it was when you were say 18? Oh, I mean, just no comparison. Like 10 times deeper. Like for me, it's like, oh my God, it must be like 50 times deeper. You know, there's, it's like, you know, even, even all through my twenties and thirties, I was still kind of oblivious and kind of stubborn and not willing to invest in, you know, learning anything and, and whatnot. And when I finally kind of got excited about learning and, and really got on it, it's like, wow, this is fabulous. And um, it just got deeper and deeper and I'm still going deeper. It's exciting every day to see how much more depth I can find. And it's fascinating. I think it's also been really exciting and interesting to experience how like much more sensation is available as well. One of the first things I thought when you asked me about 18 versus now, I was like, I'm having much better orgasms now than I was then. (laughs) Me, me too. Yeah. I'm, 
<laughs> it's a result of doing this work to understand what's happening and also uh also the healing work involved to open to a new experience and you know to uh, be able to feel safe enough to be in a space of vulnerability and and also feeling comfortable enough with myself to stay connected to my experience while engaged with someone else that's that's a big part of it as well well, and the more we learn, I think the better we choose our partner. Yeah. And if we've already chosen, the better we get at reinventing who we are and what our relationship can be over time so that we can resurrect that passion that you had in the beginning, right? That's It can come back, but it, it doesn't come back by, you know, just like willpower. Yeah, it's nurtured. It's a circumstance that is nurtured. The question is, what does it cost to not engage with this stuff? You simply don't get to experience like the richness of what life is really about if you're not doing the work to delve into opening up more of your experience. Yeah, so for some people that means shame wins, guilt. Fear. Yeah, deprivation. You're also missing out on the on the depth of connection available like in your relationships. We're very focused on sexual pleasure on this podcast and I like to continually broaden it to the concept of pleasure in general because it is just as nurturing to our lives and our systems to prioritize pleasure in our platonic relationships as well as our romantic relationships. You know, developing a lifestyle that involves and includes playing games with friends, for example, or some kind of sport thing that is fun to do with friends, or some kind of art thing that is fun to do with friends. We tend to get really lazy about how we're choosing to relate. And when we're more intentional about choosing something that is pleasurable and fun and like more purposeful pleasure wise when we're spending time together it's like killing two birds with one stone double whammy we're getting we're getting the joy and pleasure of connection and then we're also getting additional pleasure on top of that well and being you and being in your pleasure whether it's you know out in the world and having fun and like really uh, enjoying yourself is sexy and attractive it's, it, you know, if you're single, go have fun and push, honestly, for a minute, push people away, you know, the opposite sex. You'd be amazed at how that works to just get out there and and live and like live your life like it's the, the last month of your life, how all of a sudden you will be magnetic. It works so well. If I am in a mood where I need to stir things up and I'm like, I'm, I'm bored. I'm, <laughs> I want to go, want to go have a, have a fun experience. I will get myself all dolled up and take myself on a date alone. And I will strike out to some area of town. I don't normally go. And my intention is to be present with myself and to, and to, you know, like be present with my own enjoyment and my own pleasure. And Almost without fail, I meet someone new when when I go out, 
and I'm not always open to new connections. So I'm not always like super receptive. Sometimes I'm just like, nope, I'm just enjoying being me. But I am approached so much more when I'm in that space of I'm just like enjoying being me right now. And it, it, there's there's just a very noticeable uptick in the amount of approach. <laughs> and it works at home too. It, it, you know, if you're not single, you know, get out there and do those things that you like doing. If it's gardening or washing the car or, you know, playing with the dog or whatever it is, you know, go do it. Go do it. It, it, it It's attractive. It looks good. Yeah. Hundred percent. Like that, that complaint of my partner is, isn't like doesn't want me, isn't attracted to me. The knee jerk is to like look at the partner and be like, "Want me?" <laughs> right? That that doesn't work. Instead, you gotta like you gotta turn yourself on, and that that is a a big section of my blowjob course. Is I dive into what we need as women in order to turn ourselves on and to stimulate energy in our field in our in our system that is attractive to men that is that is magnetic that that creates a space of invitation for men to come in so often we're like come to me men but we're like literally like the embodiment of barbed wire at the moment and it's like how fucking inviting is that <laughs> no wonder men are like uh no thanks <laughs> exactly yeah that does not sound pleasant to me. <laughs> I think I think women kind of like can feel a little like, well, why is it my responsibility? I want him to do it. And it's like, take your responsibility, hold what's on your side of the street, and then just wait. He'll come. He'll come for you. But you got to take responsibility for what's on your side first. Absolutely. So there's all kinds of things like this where you could be stuck, where it's like, Something's not happening in my life. What we do is we kind of dig down into, you know, where you are right now. That, that I, I don't know exactly your process, but that's what I want to know when somebody comes into my studio. Where are you now? What's happening right now? And then we can talk about that and, you know, do some action things and start turning things around. We're going down the road and there's always a fork in the road. We can go one way or we can go the other. And, you know, we normally take the wide road. Sometimes you got to take the narrower road, the one that's a little bit harder, the one that's a little bit more challenging and grow that road. And that might be the more scenic route. That might be the more fun place to be. And sometimes you need somebody to kind of show you, yeah, that that's the route that everybody's taking. And that's the route that isn't really working that well for people. How about this one over here? Let's try something different. And that's what we do. We help you implement some of those decisions that get you back on course. What people don't realize is that exploring pleasure can be a little bit like navigating a land minefield. There are emotional bombs potentially all over the place. And many of us are not even consciously aware that we have some of those emotional bombs tucked away in various corners of our relationship to pleasure. 
but we do. It's because of those bombs that we experience any avoidance or resistance. Like it's because of those, the existence of those bombs that we don't have the pleasure experience that we want right now. And that is really the part that it's beneficial to have support around is that like recognizing that this topic is tied to everything. And when we're talking about sexual pleasure, we're still dealing with a whole human in our conversation. It needs to be a holistic conversation about sex. That's what a lot of my guidance is revolving around is how do we take what we want more of and ground it into a full, healthy, functional existence that, you know, really feels satisfying to us, that is really giving us what we really want. And mine is, I show you new things to try, new tools that you can use, mix and match in so many different ways and use them over and over in different situations, in different positions, in different environments so that you've got so much more at your disposal to keep it interesting, keep it exciting, to just banish boredom from the bedroom completely. And to take some of those things that maybe were a no, like you know, somebody maybe wanted to try something new and, and you gave it a no, maybe, maybe put it back on the maybe. Maybe if, if under the certain conditions, maybe yes. Maybe there are some new things that you actually might be willing to try now and to experience more, to delve into some of the possibilities that have been kind of off the table for a while. Well, and some people might need some help exploring why certain things have been off the table for a while. And that's more of what I offer is kind of taking a flashlight and exploring some of those murky depths and, and like, why did this get taken off the table? And what do we need? What do we need to soothe and be with and tend to in order to put it back on the table? So we're not competing here (laughs) between the two of us. We have a different approach. We complement each other in what we do. And you're, you're not just teaching technique, you are modeling and often speaking to a specific form of connection. Absolutely. I say technique because if someone looks at my courses, I'm not spending as much time talking about the emotional connection. But at the end of the day, if you're doing some of the things that I'm showing you, it's going to build some emotional connection. So I mean, I have a little bit different approach in the way that, you know, I kind of bring some things to fruition, but at the same time, we still are accomplishing a lot of the same things and it's fun to try them different ways. I mean, it doesn't mean like, for example, confidence, there's a lot of different ways you can obtain confidence. And so why not explore all of them if Lack of confidence is something that you have an issue with. Be a master at confidence. Go after every way that you can learn to be more confident. I feel comfortable collaborating with you because I feel very aligned with your approach to pleasure and intimate touching. And what you focus on 
it's easy for me to expand into what I focus on from there. I would happily refer anyone who has done a deep dive with me to then step into exploring pleasure technique with you. Because once you've done the work to figure out how to get things back onto the table, then you're in a, a new play arena. And that's that's where we are trying to help you get to is, you know, if you're not already in that free space where you get to play and there's not any weirdness around it, I'm here to help you clear out the weirdness so that you feel that freedom to play. That's the end goal that we're all trying to get to is this feeling of freedom in our lives, the ability to engage with and experience and enjoy what we want to experience. So we've set up a page that you can go to getting off with natalieandrocky.com. And we both have links to our services there. This is how we make this show happen, by promoting our work and helping you grow. If we help you grow, then we grow and we can help more people grow. So, you know, we are asking you to check out what we do and come and look at our, look at our products, look at our services. Yes. Join us in our playground. Get to have as much fun as we have. We want that for you because <laughs> we do have fun. Yes. That's one thing I can say, looking at you and, you know, getting out there, you're doing what you tell people to do. I admire for that. You admire me for that? Yeah. You're, you take your own advice. Thank you. It is very important to me to be embodied in what I believe. So I appreciate that reflection. Thank you. All right, folks. Well, that's it for our show today. Uh, Check us out next week and see you next time. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Getting Off with Natalie and Rocky. For more resources and ways to work with us, visit gettingoffwithnatalieandrocky.com. Please don't forget to follow, rate, review, and share the show. Join us again next week for another stimulating episode. We're here to expand your view of what's possible in intimacy and pleasure.